Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Right there in your outlines, if you would pull that out, look at what Genesis 2.18 says. It says, the Lord God said, look at what God said, and this is in creation. He says, it is not what? Good. It is not what? Now, if you've read the, the story of creation, one of the things that jumps out is that everything that God created was what? Good. The Bible says that he created something and then he saw it and God said, it's good. But there's something in God's creation that is not good. What is it that is not good? He says, it is not good for what? The man to live alone. And he's not just talking about males. He's talking about humanity. He's saying it's not good for man to live alone. So what is God going to do when he sees that something is not good? Look at what he says. I need to make a suitable partner for him. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God's plan. Marriage is within God's understanding, in his perfect, infinite understanding. Marriage is something good for us. And I know you probably disagree with God. I know you probably say, well, I look at marriage, I look at my marriage, I look at my sibling's marriage, and it's not a good thing. In fact, it's caused more damage. And the reason for that is that many of us are not doing or have not done marriage God's way. We've done it our way. And it is possible to take something that God created and he created it to be good and for us to use it in the wrong way and for it to end up causing more damage than good. But I want to remind you that your marriage is God's gift to you and that God designed it and that God intended it for it to be good and to bring benefit not just to you but to your children. To society. And that is the reason we are talking about marriage. Now we're looking a little bit deeper and we're looking at three tension uh, points or three issues that provide tension, that provide arguments, that, that, that are the source of much of the conflict and the, and the fighting and the indifference in every marriage. And, and these happen in every marriage, every marriage. I don't care how good you are at pretending that it doesn't happen. I know it happens. Here's why I know it happens. Because you're human. And these are issues to all of us. What are those three uh, tension points? Well, our differences, our faults, and our needs. Did you? I, I know when you were dating, you guys had a lot of similarities. And you thought you were like uh, 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 1A and 1B. But then you get married and you realize what? He's very different than me. Why does he pick his belly button? What's up with that? It's gross. And then you get married and you realize 
that there's a lot of things that she likes to eat that you don't. And you said, where was this when we were dating? It was there. You were just blind. Which, by the way, the best, one of the best advice that I've gotten about marriage was from a uh, Bible school professor who told me, when you're dating, open your eyes as wide as possible. When you get married, close them as much as you can. Okay? But we do the opposite. When we're dating, we close our eyes. They don't have a job, but they're going somewhere, right? Uh, they don't smell good, but they're beautiful, right? Uh, uh, and then we get married, and oh my goodness, where was this monster when I was dating it, you know? But the truth is that there's differences. And here's the thing. And my wife and I, we, we had a lot. We still have a lot of issues. We still argue a lot, you know? Um, but not as much as we did before. And one of the things that's really helped us is to accept and work with our differences. I'm a morning person. She's not. I'm a doer person. She's a planning person. And at first, we used to like bump heads a lot. Now, I let her plan, and then I can do and be more effective in what I do. She's really neat. She, she has lists for the list that she needs. And I'm the type of person that I like, okay, I need to go to Costco. And I go to Costco and I'm like, what did I need to get? <laughs> and, and, and when you learn that your differences shouldn't separate you, but in fact that when you work together, they strengthen you, they bring vigor, they bring excellence to your marriage, your marriage is transformed. And then the other tension point, it's false, right? It's false. You married a loving, beautiful person that is flawed. That is imperfect. And that person you love, that sweet person, will hurt you. And more than once. And marriage requires forgiveness in order to work. And the third tension point is needs, right? And how many of you guys know, don't raise your hand because I want you to enjoy your Sunday evening. But how many of you guys know you married a needy person? They're very needy. Don't raise your hand. Just kind of say yes, say amen with your eyes, okay? But, uh, you know, I want you to walk out of here blessed, not with more arguments. But you marry a very needy person, right? They're very needy. And guess what? So did they. They also marry a very needy person. And that's kind of what we're talking about last Sunday, and we're continuing this Sunday. We're talking about meeting each other's needs. If you want a happy and lasting marriage, you need to know what your spouse's major needs are, and you got to be willing to meet them. You know, people get married for the wrong reasons. They get married because they don't want to be lonely. They get married because they're getting older. They get married because the family pressures them. And if you get married to, to receive something, you're going to have a hard time. When you get married to give something... That's when marriage can be happy and it can last. Look at what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, 33 and 34, right there in your outline. Look at what it says. But a married man is concerned about how he can what? And I said last week, when it refers to pleasing his wife, it's not just talking sexually. And we're talking about what are those five major needs that a wife has, that a husband needs to be willing to meet. And he says, a married woman 
is concerned about what? The kids? The house? The cooking? What should be a married woman's main concern? How she can please what? Her husband. The, the image, the biblical image that we get from God about marriage is that marriage should be two servants out serving one another. That it should be two people not seeking to benefit from the other person, but seeking to bless the other person. To say, no, 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 honey, let me shower the kids. Let me shower them. I know I did it yesterday, but I love you so much, I want to do it again today. No, 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 honey. I, let, no, no, we're not going to go get KFC. I know I'm tired, but I know how much you love home cooking, so I'm going to cook a home meal for you today. That's two servings out serving one another. And listen, if you want a happy and lasting marriage, you got to be willing to meet the needs of your spouse. In this text, in this text, Paul tells us that an essential aspect of marriage is a willingness to meet the needs of my husband or wife. Here, let, let me tell you what happens when we don't. If you're married and you're unwilling to meet the needs of your spouse, that is the area where the enemy has the best results. Because when you are not meeting and you are not filling the love tank, the, the, the tank of, of their heart, then the enemy comes in and he brings doubt. And he says, oh, maybe, maybe he's got a side chick. That's why he's not talking to you. And the enemy comes and he brings temptation and he says, you know, your husband doesn't talk to you, but the UPS guy does. And the enemy comes and he breaks all kinds of chaos because when we are not meeting the needs of our spouse, that is the environment where the enemy has the best results. So question for you, are you letting the enemy thrive in your marriage? In one way, you stop the insecurity, the negativity, the doubts, the temptations is by saying, I want to be willing to meet the needs of my spouse. So we're looking at what those needs are. Last two Sundays, we've looked at the first major need of the wife and the husband. Uh, so let's look at the second one. But just in case you weren't here, let's talk about women first and then we'll go. Um, the five major needs of my wife. Number one. My wife's number one, and, and this is generally speaking, okay? I know you say, Pastor, that's not my wife. Okay, there, there may be exceptions, but for the majority of women and the majority of men, these are true, okay? The major need that a wife has from a husband is my affection. My wife's major need is my affection. Not my money, not bags or anything else. What she needs from me, it's my affection. It is no wonder the Bible tells husbands to love their wives. And Pastor Frank did a great job talking about that. But today we want to talk about the second major need of wives. And the second need of my wife is that my wife, and you can fill this out in your outline, needs intimate conversations. My wife needs intimate conversations. 
They did a study of children ages 2 through 4. And uh, what they discovered is that 100% of the sounds that little girls made had to do with conversations. 100%. But when it came to little boys, only 60% of the sounds they made had to do with conversations. The other 40% were sounds that didn't have to do with communicating. It was more like boom, pow. And that, that illustrates that women were shaped and their tank is filled when they talk. And I know what men are automatically thinking. But pastor, God did not create me like her. I know. It doesn't come naturally to most men. But here's what I do want to tell you guys. While God may have not created you that way, you are capable of talking. You know how I know that? She married you. When you were dating, remember all the talking you did? Remember how you would stay up at night talking? When Lorraine and I were dating, it was when the, when the beepers were kind of uh, uh, at, at its height, you know. And uh, I remember I got a beeper, and I was the cool kid, you know, at church. And I got a beeper, and uh, um, I don't know if my parents or her parents know this, but I guess I'm exposing myself today. But um, <laughs> um, we didn't have cell phones, so young people, you, you can imagine how hard it was to, to uh, talk with your girlfriend without a cell phone, but we, we would wait. We only had those home phones that, that you had to do the whole thing. No, we're not that old. Um, but we had this thing where, like, she would call around 11, 11.30 at night. And what she would do first, um, she had to call me because uh, she was trying to conquer me, you know. No, no, I'm just playing out. No, she would call me because it was easier for her to call and for me to pick up. And, and anyways, um, so she would first beat me. She would send me a message on the beeper, like, hey, I'm going to call you. Get ready to pick up so you don't wake up your dad and mom, you know. And uh, we, would, we would spend all night talking. You know, and I think you did that too, right? And did you ever fall asleep? Did you ever fall asleep talking to one another? Right? There's people that they're talking and, and one of them falls asleep and the other one stays on the line just kind of listening to them breathe. I think that's kind of creepy. If you do that, that's creepy. Just hang up. Go to sleep. Right? So, so... Here's what we know. And, and, and guys, I, I, I'm preaching to myself, okay? I'm preaching out of experience here. I know that talking doesn't come as natural. It's not that big of a need for us. But we are capable of doing it. Here's the mistake that you shouldn't make. Many men say, well, if she needs to talk so much, why doesn't she just find a friend? Which may be logical in your brain as a man, but let me tell you why it's not logical in hers. Because talking to women is an intimate act. And she wants to feel connected to who? You. So husbands, I'm not trying to scare you. Unless you want your wife to feel intimate with another man, that, and that's the way a fair start, let me tell you something, you need to start talking to her. My wife's second major need is talking. Man, let me give you some other reasons, benefit, um, why you need to talk to your wife. Okay, you can fill these out in your outlines. Number one, 
Why talk to your wife? Well, because when you talk, problems can be resolved. When you talk, problems can be resolved. And I see a lot of men just kind of roll their eyes and said, No, Pastor, you live in fairyland. We don't talk because when we talk, we fight. In fact, if we talk, we're going to end up fighting. Well, let me tell you something. The reason you fight when you talk is because you don't talk enough. You wait till the pot is boiling to address the issue, and by then, guess what? It's not a conversation. It's an argument. But if you would only talk to her, not just to yourself, because I know, man, we talk to ourselves. If you would talk to her, many of the problems, and let me tell you, marriage One of the things that we need in marriage is to know how to resolve problems. Problems that deal with our kids. Problems that deal with our finances. Problems that deal with our health. Problems that deal in our relationship with one another. And unless you talk, you will not be able to solve problems. And I know you're saying, but we fight all the time. Well, one, you need to talk more often. And two, you need to learn to communicate. Because some men, we don't know how to communicate. We're very military. Our wives don't want to, they don't, see, we men want to solve everything. I'm going to tell you something. I hope it doesn't sound insensitive. I know Lorena, Lorena and I have this agreement. When we're going to talk and she's kind of telling me a problem, I'll ask her, do you need me to listen or, do, or are you looking for an answer? Because what do men do when they hear something? We want to fix it. And me as a preacher, I got three points for everything. (laughs) So I'll often ask her, are you wanting me to listen or are you seeking for a solution? If she says, no, I just want to talk. All right. Makes it even easier. (laughs) Second reason why you should talk to your wife. Why talk to your wife? Because talking produces unity. Talking produces unity. God's plan for marriage is that we would live together in harmony. That together in love, we would develop one mind, one spirit. And this cannot happen if we don't talk. Laying in bed and sleeping in the same bed will not produce the unity that you need that can happen when you talk to one another. And we need unity in our marriage. See, conversations to women are like the ligaments in our body. If we didn't have ligaments, our, our bones would not be able to stay in place. It would just crumble. But it's the ligaments that connect the bones that allow the, our skeleton to do the function that it was created to do. And when there isn't conversation between a husband and a wife, things will fall apart. Third reason why talk to your wife. Because talking edifies her heart. Talking edifies her heart. You know when my wife is the happiest? And I, and I challenge you to do this experiment. When I listen and I talk to her. After we, you know, had a good conversation, which lately we haven't been doing too good. Um, I see her. She's more open and she's more happy. And you know the old saying, right? Happy wife. Why? Because talking edifies her heart. 
And don't talk just to fix things. Talk to build your wife up. And don't just do the, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh. Man, let me, let, me, let me give you a secret. Well, it's not a secret, but let me give you a tool. You want to make your wife feel loved, appreciated, and the most important person in your world? When you're talking to her, repeat what she's saying to you. Really, honey? She said that to you? Really, honey? She was wearing that color? I know they give details that we don't need, but it's not about us all the time, right? It's about them. Repeat, reciprocate to her what she's saying to you, and you will build her up and you would fill her heart. So let me give you, um, in my counseling with couples and even in my marriage, um, I find that one of the biggest um, tools that couples need is, is tools to be able to communicate better. We don't know how to communicate. We argue, we scream, we demand, but we don't know how to communicate. So let me give you some guidelines um, to improve your conversation with your spouse. And you can fill these out. I'm going to give them really quick. Number one, make time to talk. It's not about finding time. It's about making time. When, uh, when we started turning our marriage around, one of the things that Lorraine and I would do is that we would schedule a business meeting. Yeah. And, and, and we would do that for me. We would set a time, okay, Thursdays at 8 o'clock, we're going to turn off the TV, we're going to stop doing what we're doing, and for 30 minutes or an hour, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about the issues that are going on. We would schedule time. And you're probably, if you're single, you're probably saying, see, that's why I want to get married, because if you have to force it, it's not love. Not true. Not true. Work, marriage takes work, right? So make time to talk. Number two. Identify it or be mindful of the enemies of good conversation. These are the enemies that don't allow for good conversation. What are they? Number one, demands. Demands will kill a good conversation. You need to do this. You need to do that. Disrespect. I always tell couples, if one of you gets heated up, stop talking. Nothing good will come after that. Don't call each other names. Don't cuss at each other. Husbands, listen to me. That's not just your wife. That's God's daughter. Let me tell you something. If Maisley and Kaylee ever get cussed out by somebody, that day I'm not a pastor. And if I feel that way, let me tell you something. God is much more jealous about his daughters. So don't disrespect each other. And the same goes for you ladies, okay? Third, expressing anger, right? I I said, if you start getting angry, just take a 15-minute break because when you're angry, you will say things that that you cannot take back. And then uh, another enemy of good conversation is obsessing about past or present errors. We've made mistakes, and part of forgiving is letting go. And whenever you keep bringing the mistake from 15 years ago, that's going to kill a conversation. Man. Uh, another tool for, for uh, improving conversation is develop interest in the topics of your spouse. Develop them. Develop, find common ground. Find common ground. Uh, find things that work for both of you. 
And then the last one, which goes without saying, balance the conversation. And this is more for the ladies. Take a breather and let us say something. Okay, don't hijack the conversation. Ask us a question once in a while. What do you think? What would you have done in that case? Balance the conversation. And guys, chime in, okay? Put, put, put some effort. Now, let's talk about the husband's major need, okay? The five major needs of your husband, the five major needs of a husband, we covered the, the first one last week, and you can fill this out in your outline. The number one major need of a husband is sexual satisfaction. And we're not going to talk about that. If you're interested in listening to that point, um, you can go to our podcast and uh, listen to last Sunday's message. But a husband's number one need is sexual satisfaction. It's not food. It's sexual fulfillment. But number two, it gets really quiet. It's really quiet. I know it's true. So, so I, don't, I don't need your approval. I just know it's true. Uh, number two, the second major need of my husband is that your husband needs recreational companionship. Your husband needs recreational companionship. And here's where the women are thinking, but I don't like to do the things that my husband likes to do. Okay, ladies, your turn. But you can, because I know you did. Remember when you were dating and you could go with him to the Dodger games? I mean, you were on Instagram all game long, but you were there. Remember, you, if, if, if you dated in high school, you would go to the track meets, you would go to the basketball games, you would go to, to the events and things that some of you even went hunting. You, you don't want to kill an animal, but you went hunting just because you loved him. And when we are dating, women tend to be adventurous and, and be outdoor and, and yes, let's go here and yes, let's go there. But then we get married and what happens? Well, I just, I, I don't enjoy that anymore. I just got one suggestion. I just want to ask you for one thing, ladies. Before you say no, try it. Just delight us. Honey, what do you think about going hiking? Oh, I don't like going hiking because, you know, I got corn on my feet and uh, uh, just try it. Just try. Just go with us. You know, honey, I'm thinking of going to uh, a car show. Oh, we don't have money to buy a car. It doesn't matter. Just go with us. Just go with us. Try it. Right? Because when you were dating, you did. You went with us. You, you went to all kinds of activities, to outdoor recreational stuff. And that's why we fell in love with you. Men, most men enjoy that. I know that there's some men that wouldn't want to pick up a basketball or some kind of ball if it meant to save their life. But for the majority of us, we are very recreational. In fact, that's one of the biggest ways that we bond. Just how talking makes you feel intimate. Doing recreational things for men is what makes us feel connected and intimate. Why? Now, ladies, let me give you some reasons why be your husband's best recreational companion. Okay? And, well, let, let me say this before I look at that. I know some of you guys are thinking, but he doesn't invite me anymore. 
Pastor, I don't even know that he would want me to go. Well, you know why? Because you've allowed such a gap to be created that one of the things that men do, and we're guilty of this, is one of the things that we need to be careful with, guys, is that we get complacent and we get comfortable. And we say, well, I've just been going to Dodger games by myself. I just keep doing it. Now, ladies, help us close that gap. Right? I started with Genesis 2.18. What did God say? It's not good for man to be alone. I will create what? A suitable partner. Partner. Okay? Let's look at uh, some benefits and reasons why you ladies or wives need to be our best recreational companion. Number one, because men treasure recreational time with their wives. Okay? I know you're maybe saying, no, he doesn't. Oh, yes, he does. You know why? Let me tell you something about us guys. We take into consideration when we're choosing a mate how fun they are to be around. If you're a big Dodger fan and you're single and she hates the Dodgers, you're probably going to find another girlfriend. Because for men, we treasure, we treasure the recreational time that we get to enjoy with our wives. See, for men and women, it's about being intimate, but we're intimate in different ways. And when we are out having fun is when we are able to connect with women. You want me to tell you how big of a deal recreational is for men, ladies? You're going to see how big of a deal. It's such a big deal that men do two things that they normally don't do in any other area of their life. They plan for it and they spend a bunch of money on it. Your husband will not help you plan your child's birthday party, but he will plan a golf party with his buddies. Your husband will not help you plan how to organize the garage, but he will plan a Dodger trip with all his work buddies. And then we're willing to spend money, right? We spend money. Why? And the thing about recreational activity is that it can get expensive. Right? And our kids will ask us for the latest Jordans. Why do you need a $200 shoe? Those shoes you got will look fine. But then they go to the gun store and they'll drop $1,000 for a little gun. Why? Because of the values. We value recreational activity. And the second reason, why be your husband's best recreational companion? Because it is key to becoming your husband's strongest friendship. And marriage is about friendship. In fact, I tell single people, you should not date anybody you can't be good friends with. If you can't be good friends first, you shouldn't date. And you shouldn't marry. And marriage involves friendship. And if you want us as a strong friendship, you got to meet us in our environment. You got to meet us where we like to be. And I'll tell you something, ladies. If you would just come out to the games with us, maybe we could talk more at the games. And we, in turn, would be meeting what? Each other's needs. Did you know that experts, and I find this crazy, I got to admit this to you, experts suggest that healthy couples need to spend 15 hours a week 
together, talking, doing something together? I go, is that with kids or without kids? (laughs) But here's what I do know. At least as a husband and as a man, when I am doing fun things with my wife, time flies. When we are doing fun things, time flies for me. Amen? And then last but not least, because it creates recreation. Recreational company cultivates what? Unity. Say much about this because I already mentioned it, uh, how talking um, creates unity for women. But this is the way we create unity. And see, here's, here's what I want to say, though. Because as I recreation of companionship, Pastor, is there room for her to have her activities and for me to have my activities? Yes, there's room. In fact, it's healthy. There are some things that I like to do that Lorena doesn't like to do, and it's okay with that. Here's what you need to watch out, watch out for. You need to make sure that there are things that you do alone than you do together. When it comes to the recreational things you do, there, there needs to be more things that you do together than the things that you do alone. Because when you do them alone, you'll start growing apart. There's an old saying that you know, right? The family that, plays, that prays together stays together. Well, here's what they're discovering. Couples that play together stay together. Now, let me end with this. I'll, I'll finish with this. Meeting the needs of your spouse... Okay, don't check out. This is the golden nugget. Meeting the needs of your spouse is not easy. Can anybody say amen? And it's not automatic. And meeting the needs of your spouse requires a lot of love. A lot of love. Okay? It requires not just any kind of love. Listen to this. It requires the greatest type of love. What is the greatest type of love? Look at what John 15, 13 says right there in your outlines. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. If I had to give my life so that my wife could live because I'll paint a scenario... If I had to push her out of the way of a running train, I think most husbands would do it. We would genuinely do it. I know we joke around and we say, no, we would look the other way. No, you would do it. <laughs> you would do it. And I want to I present before you that it's easier to die for somebody in that case than it is to die daily for them. In other words, sometimes dying is not the giving up of our life, but the giving up of ourselves and our interests and our our desires, where we do die in a way so that our spouse can live. And meeting your spouse's needs, having a marriage that is happy and lasting, requires the greatest love that you laid down your life for them. That you say, it's not about me. In fact, Paul says that when you love your wife, it's as if you are loving yourself. But here's the key. 
that type of love, that sacrificial type of love is not in you. It's in him. And it is when we experience his love, it is when we are nourished by his love that then we are able to love others the way he loved us. See, he laid down his life so that you and I could live because we were dead in our sins, because we were dead in our transgressions, but he laid down his life, an innocent, perfect, blameless life, so that you and I who are not innocent, who are not blameless, who, who, who have a lot of guilt, could live. And when you experience his love, then you're able to love others. I want to end with this really quick. This week, my wife and I were having a little argument, and she doesn't know this. Well, she knows we were having the argument, but she doesn't know what was happening with me. We were kind of on different pages because we have a budget, and we're talking about our budget, and it was getting a little bit heated, and you're not understanding me, and no, you're not understanding me. And we were just kind of bickering a little bit. Um, In my time there, I clearly heard the Holy Spirit say to me, that's my daughter. Love her. And it changed my perspective. I still felt strong about what I felt strong. But now I was conscious that I had to love her. That I get to love her. That I want to love her. But that only happens when the love of Jesus is in you. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love, In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.